Hi, I'm Haley. And I'm also Haley. Oh, wait. You filthy liar. I'm Becky. <laughs> and this is I Don't Know Gay Kill. I know, I know. Sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta keep it fresh. Uh-huh. Just gotta keep you on your toes. <laughs> you every time I do that, you always go and like look at me like so confused. So, I'm, I'm Haley. but I'm, I'm yeah, Haley. But if you're Haley, then that means I'm. <laughs> Got to do some mental math here. We hope everyone had. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. If you carry the seven, <laughs> yeah. So we hope everyone had a safe and happy holiday season weekend whatever yeah if you celebrated christmas then they will have passed now Mm -hmm. hope it was great if not then you know we're looking forward to happy new year yeah ringing in the new year yeah is it okay let's do this debate this is going to be a poll we're going to debate this is it ringing in the new year or bringing in the new year I know people have debated this for years. Which one is it? Yep. Oh, I feel like, wouldn't like a quick Google search like solve that? No, we are debating it. Oh, okay. I always thought it was ringing in the new. Me too. I didn't, I, yeah, I don't think I've ever heard bringing in. Uh, but I've, I've, I have heard people try to argue and be like, isn't it bringing in the new year? Like you're bringing it in, you're, you're bringing it along. You're starting the new year. I think it's a really empty argument. If yeah, you ask I, me, too. I think it's ringing in the new year. Okay. It's ringing in. We've decided. Ring. Argument over. Ring my bell. <laughs> All right. Because I got to sing within the first five yeah. seconds. So, you know, 2022 is upon us. The time is nigh. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> yeah. This is our fucking year. <laughs> 2021 behind. I'm ready to do all of my super unrealistic New Year's resolutions. I'm going to lose 300 pounds. I'm going to become a millionaire. I'm only going to eat broccoli forever and ever. (laughs) (laughs) Also, don't make really unhealthy like diet resolutions. We are not on board with that. We we so don't support that. I'm not even a big like New Year's resolution person. No. I just feel like at any point in my life, at any point, no matter what time of year it is, if I want to make a change in my life, I'll fucking change it. Do it. Uh, yeah. Make a plan and do it. You know, and I know, I understand that like January sometimes it's like a lot of people feel like after the holidays, they feel like renewed and they want to like start new. Whatever. Go for it. Like, that's like set goals. That's totally do your thing. The year. Nothing wrong with that. I just think that. Yeah, there is obviously like this whole cliche about how like third week of January, everyone's broken their new year. New year, new me. Don't set <laughs> up for failure. Don't and and be kind to yourself. Yeah, don't, go easy. Don't like set all these like unrealistic goals. And then like by the third week of January, you're like, I'm a piece of shit person because I broke all my resolutions. Like, you're probably a piece of shit person for so many other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's it's honestly so true though because I'm always like ah oh, like week three rolls around I'm like ah oh, I suck and then I'm like wait that means I've sucked my entire life <laughs> if I didn't make it these last three weeks this is me a problem <laughs> this is all on me <laughs> oh it's uh again I think a lot of people jump where they're like they get ahead of themselves and like honestly you set yourself up for failure when you have like you do these insane goals that are just like yeah you know well because there's i don't want to say unachievable like all obviously all goals are achievable but like you have to be realistic in the way that people are expecting to do them yeah so yeah again by the end of january it's like so common that people are like oh everyone just feels like garbage yeah maybe just like i don't know try to 
come up with a plan to make yourself not feel like garbage by the end of the Yeah. Maybe just like do Don't be a garbage person. There you go. One step at a time. Yeah. One day at a time. Yeah. Or don't I, change anything at all because you're fucking awesome and you're doing it fine. You're doing great. You're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like to do really broad ones. Yeah. Th- those are the ones that I do. I'm not like I must, you know, have $8,000 in my savings account by this date. That's not like that's not an achievable goal. I'll do stuff like, you know, I want to like go on more walks. Mm-hmm. It's pretty achievable. I'll go on more walks. I want to read more. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'll fucking read more. Make them, make them reasonable. And again, if you're going to like make a resolution, write down some like active steps to achieve that goal. Don't just be like, I'm just going to like uh, cook all my healthy meals and exercise eight times a week and fucking do this and yeah. read eight books in a month and then like sit there and just expect it to happen. Yeah. Cause like you got to do the work. Be like, okay. Yeah. You know what? Cause those are all pretty relatively achievable goals if you sit down you're like okay well i'm gonna meal plan then that means sunday morning i have to take the three hours to cook all the meals you gotta schedule it or like i've done this before like i go on and off but like when i want to finish a book or if i want to like read more Mm -hmm. 10 pages a day yeah man like not a lot but i've finished like so many books that way books that way where i've been able to commit for a decent amount of time where i've finished like like four books in like five months because I just read 10 pages a day. Yeah. It depends on the size of the book. Yeah. Of course, if you're reading like the Bible, it's going to take a while. <laughs> but like average yeah. size, the, I think the average for a book is between three and 400 pages. Yeah. So like you can actually do the math. Do a lot of reading in a month. Yeah. You do 10 pages a day. Mm-hmm. It's true. So, Something I did this. along that vein, um, and maybe it's not good advice considering I've definitely fallen off the wagon, but it does work for me for a little while, is I set this like nightly reminder on my phone. So it like a goal of mine for a little while was to like read a chapter before bed every night. So I like I had this thing where it would like at 9 p.m. it would be like read one chapter mm-hmm. for one half. And I had it as like set as like a half an hour block. So it was like if I didn't finish a chapter within half an hour, at least I read for half an hour. Yeah, exactly. But it was like that reminder. Realistic for you. Yeah. You're reading a book where the chapters are all relatively the same length and you're like, I can read a chapter in half an hour. Then like do that. But if you're like, if you just want to do it by time. I want to read half an hour. Pages or yeah. whatever seems natural. Like it's, yeah, yeah, there's lots of like ways to achieve goals using small steps that don't take up a lot of your time. Yeah. Also too, like maybe, maybe we should start like, like a podcast about organizing and like planning ahead because like, again, not as usual to toot our own fucking horns, but toot toot motherfucker. Here we go. You and me are really good at planning. We have our, agen- our like our agendas and we sit down and like I'm someone who plans out like literally every minute of my day. Like I'll schedule my shits. <laughs> I don't schedule my shits. Those yeah, those are the only things I don't I schedule. You did that. <laughs> but but again, if I told someone like, look, 4 p.m., I've got a shit. <laughs> so I know. I, I know just about everybody I know would be like, yeah, I, I believe you. I know you have that scheduled. Yeah. yeah. And you know I'd be in the bathroom like, it's happening now or never. Like, yeah. <laughs> I got to stay on schedule. <laughs> you're definitely a little bit. Yeah. I would say you're you're definitely better at it than I am, but – but you're yeah, really good at it. Systems in place. Yes. I do. And I, so, I have my planner. Yeah. If you guys ever want help organizing, I fucking love that shit. You hit you hit us up. Yeah. We'll do a whole separate series. Just yeah. the unrelated true crime. It's just about organizing. Tips and organizing, planning ahead. Organized crime. Organized crime. <laughs> yeah. I remember like, yeah, yeah. That's what it could be called. Or but like, it wouldn't be about crime at all. <laughs> I'm in shock right now. We're doing this. Well, all right. TM. <laughs> 
you know what? My New Year's resolution is to TM more things. I know I already do it a lot. I'm fucking doing it. <laughs> Whether you guys like it or not. TM way more things than we TM in twenty. Yes. TM. Duh. Constantly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. I think that was enough of a tangent. Right. That was a good tangent. Yeah. That made me feel happy. No, I feel like we always feel so accomplished when we like, I'm like have stuff to say. Tangent time. So yeah. Sometimes we're just like, hi. Yeah. Okay, let's begin. Well, because there are there are times <laughs> where where we legit have nothing to say <laughs> or strike up yeah thing naturally and- or there's like nothing going on that we need to like touch on. Yeah. I feel like New Year's is one of those things where we're good. Of course we're going to have. You can talk about. Yeah. What do you normally do on New Year's? Um, I don't know. It depends. But usually like, I mean, before COVID, usually someone would just like host like a sort of like a New yeah. Year's party, like a friend or like my brother did it a couple years in a row. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, where, yeah, it's not like a massive rager, but usually like, you know, maybe like 20 people or something. Yeah. That's um, see for me, that's a rager. I mean, that's yeah. like a full on, like. I just want to picture, people to picture like. I don't know, like massive. 8,000 people. Like thousand people. No. They're like Project X. (laughs) Project X. (laughs) Project X of the Giles family house. Honestly, that like that's happened before though at your house, like in high school. For sure. Not for New Year's. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm not a Project X person on on New Year's either. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Like, but I mean, last year we were in lockdown Mm -hmm. technically. I think I just got together with, like Luke's brother and his partner and then my brother and his partner, like just the six of us. Yeah. That's what we did because we couldn't really do much. No. Yeah. And we all just like hung out and played games and stuff, which like, honestly, like the older I get, the less I want to do. Same. Same. Like that sounds like a dream to me. Sometimes it's nice if it's like, oh, people you couldn't see over the holidays. You Mm -hmm. can see them at New Year's. That's fine. But I think, yeah, I just think the older I get, the less people I want to be around. Yeah. (laughs) It was either last year or the year before. Um, but it was just, it was literally just Drew and I, we had like the whole house to ourselves. So we like, we just literally just took a bath and then we were like, okay, we're going to go watch Black Mirror and we're going to like stay up until midnight. And we literally, we both fell asleep. We woke up like, I want to say either 10 minutes before New Year's or like 10 minutes after. And we were both like literally like bedhead on the couch, like, (gasps) did we miss it? (laughs) And then like, I'm pretty sure Drew was just like, shh, I'm sleeping. (laughs) Like didn't want me to wake him. So I was like, okay, happy New Year. And went back to bed. It was just like, but it was like, I woke up the next morning and I was like, and that's New Year's. Yeah, That's what I want. And to I, just be so unbothered. <laughs> I think I said that last year. I was like, gosh, I don't know if I'll be able to stay awake for midnight. And <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I think we cut it at like 1230. Like we stayed it's, awake for it, but then we were just like honestly tired. And we're just like, okay, all right. Yeah. You saw me last night. Yeah. I over last night and like I was falling asleep like yeah. on and off from like 11 p.m. onward. Yeah. But then we just like by 1230, I just like looked at you like. I'm you literally, you, you know what you did actually? You sat up and you right away you were like, I'm falling asleep. <laughs> And I was like, okay, like we can go to bed. You don't need to boss me around. I think you were in like yeah. shock that you were like, I need to go to bed immediately. <laughs> like, I, I go to bed early now. So I know, like, same. Just like one night to like yeah. get off and be like, okay, I want to stay yeah. to like 1 a.m. It's so true. Or something, but you just can't. I know. And like when I have sleepovers with like you or like the girls, I'm like, we're going to fucking pull an all nighter. It's going to be amazing. Oh, but then it's like 8 p.m. rolls around and I'm like, where's my robe and my slippies? I need to get to fucking bed immediately. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is this is old age. We're here. Yeah. 
And I, I'm like so happy about it. Honestly, I love it though. I love waking up early. I'm never gonna complain about this. It's great. I love just like crawling into bed at like 10 o'clock. Yeah, I remember being like in the prime of my youth where like I'd like get off work at 10 p.m. at night mm -hmm. and that was like the start of my night. It was like early. I would like get home, I'd shower, I'd put makeup on, I'd get dressed up nice and we would go out and fucking drink and party all night. Who? I like I can't even like remember what it feels like to do yeah. that. Because sometimes when I worked at the movie theater, I'd work until 11. I remember I would yeah. show up at bars at like 1230. And that, I, was like, I just got physically ill to my stomach. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I have arrived. And like, you have like an hour and 15 minutes. But I, I actually preferred it that way because I didn't love being at the bars for like four hours. Four hours. I but can do 10 minutes. Too busy, like whatever. It's too exhausting to be on my feet that long. 10 minutes tops. <laughs> Especially because I'd been probably spent 16 hours on my feet before that. Yeah. So I'd show up at the bar at like 1230 have like an hour hour and 15 of like shots 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 and then you'd wake up at 5 a.m and do it all again the next day yes that's what i did for like years of i know you did <sighs> you did it for longer than i did i did it for a short period of time because i had like the three jobs school yeah. all of it and but I, I only lasted like a year or two. And then I was like, I'm ready for old age. Oh, I'm retiring. <laughs> too long. Yeah. It took a total Yeah. Long I like don't even like remember it because I've like blocked it out. Like I'm going to get PTSD if I sit here and like think too hard about it. I can still feel the feeling of like my shoes sticking to the floor jacks. Stop it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Where you just like get in there and you're like, yeah, this is jacks. Like now I'm yeah. really stuck to the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can, like, still feel people, like, bumping into me. Mm -hmm. Like, I can, like, feel my body moving, and it's just not fun. I, can, I have, like, vivid memories of, like, basically all of my friends just barfing on the floor there. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I will say I don't think I ever barfed at Jack's. I, I'm pretty sure I barfed at Jack's. Barfed after Jack's. Yeah. But I don't ever think I barfed like on the premises. No, you know where I yarfed so hard so many times? Jim Bob's. Oh, yeah. I definitely peeped there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or frog. Frog. I was, I'm pretty sure there was one time I like went up the stairs, which is like, Ugh, and then just like kept going. And I was like, hey, let's do this. Remnants of my half digested food all over that place. All over in every room. This is disgusting. Oh, God. No. No. Now a lot of these places because of COVID are like nice restaurants. Good. They've all been turned into. They've. They're still. Cats. They're still catering to us. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. They grow with us. They grow with us. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Here, why don't we provide you an atmosphere where you can have some like nice craft beer and some oysters? And we're like, and you're like, fuck oh, yeah. Okay. And and you know what? We close at eight thirty, so you'll make it home by nine o'clock sleep time. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Good times. At uh, horrible times. <laughs> All right, enough enough of that. Or some you don't. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for the future. Let's do this. All right, let's jump right in. Let's get it. Let's go. Let's get down to business. <laughs> let's get down. Let's get down to business. <laughs> I get you one more night. <laughs> I'm done. All right. Where's my like record deal? <laughs> Who needs one? You have Spotify. Let's get down. Let's get down to business. You just can't record that song, unfortunately, because that's already a song. Ah. Uh, you can't TM that. It's already been TM'd. TM. TM. I'm trying anyways. So we are on. Yes. This is part two. Yes. This is, uh, 
in part two of John Benet Ramsey. So this is it. <laughs> this is it. We're, final, we're gonna solve it. The final count. The, I was just gonna say the final <laughs> countdown. <laughs> we're um, we're gonna solve it. Maybe not today. By the end of this episode, yeah, we will know who killed John Benet Ramsey. I feel like every true crime podcast believes that they'll be the ones to solve it. I know. <laughs> so we fucking have to band together, Haley. We have to do this. <laughs> we start from nothing, and we're yeah. Gonna... We're gonna start from the bottom. In this case, and we're gonna just fucking solve it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I have to <laughs> start with the correction. Uh, always. <laughs> if anyone remembers the end of the last You know what, though? I, I highly respect that you always correct yourself because I never do. And I make a lot of mistakes. I have no problem admitting that I am wrong a lot. Oh, I can admit it. I just, like, don't go back. <laughs> I'm just like, you know what? That mistake's in the past. That's for past me to deal with. <laughs> I can't sleep at night. <laughs> If I don't announce it to the world that I am aware that yeah. I insane. True. You know, I, not that I'm just like walking around blindly like, I said this and I <laughs> and I gotta right. stick to it. <laughs> um, so yeah, at the end of the last episode, I was talking about a documentary that I will be discussing a lot and I said the name of it completely wrong. Very confidently, I, if I might add. <laughs> I want to try and find it because I want to read it to make sure I'm right. Still read it wrong. <laughs> As opposed, and I did it. I couldn't find it. So I was like, I'll just go from memory. But I obviously was looking at a lot of John Bonet documentaries and sources at the time. So, anyways, the one I was talking about is called John Bonet Ramsey. What really happened? You were pretty close. Yeah, thanks. I think so. <laughs> I'm just trying to be nice. Okay, I'm trying to make it so you can. Similarities that her name is in it. Yeah, pretty close. I got her name right. You did. <laughs> I I'm gonna I'm clapping for you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, so yes, this documentary came out into in 2021, January of 2021. So um, almost exactly a year ago. Yep. And it's on Discovery Plus. If anyone wants to watch it, I just signed up for like the seven day free trial. And don't admit it out loud. <laughs> you don't want Discovery Plus knowing you've cheated the system. No, that's what the trial's for. Exactly. <laughs> watch what you want. We both know you're gonna cancel it. <laughs> oh, really? Because I was considering keeping it. They have a lot of true crime. Do they? Should I get it or give me your login? Like paranormal stuff. Give me your login. <laughs> I haven't officially paid for it yet. How much is it? We'll split it. We'll charge the patrons. I think it's like this. <laughs> <laughs> guys. Yeah. Pay, just pay for stuff. We'll watch all these documentaries for you. Yeah. Yeah. I will sit my ass on my couch on your behalf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're all like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't give a shit. <laughs> They're like, Becky, shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, so this documentary... Um, John Ramsey is interviewed in the documentary and there are a lot of other people interviewed, but it surrounds um, the investigation conducted by Lou Smith. So he was, a lot of people call him the lead investigator. He was hired by the district attorney's office to basically um, look at all the evidence that was being submitted by the Boulder police department. Mm -hmm. And so um, Lou Smith was a retired detective Um, He was called out of retirement in March of 1997 um, to investigate the case. So uh, so again, he was called out of retirement by the DA's office in Boulder um, and was asked to like review and give his opinion on the evidence submitted by the police and kind of like investigate as well. Mm -hmm. Um, He had 20 years experience in Colorado Springs Police Department, but he also worked in the coroner's office. So people were saying like he also knew the legal side of things as well. um, Yeah. And he was also an investigator from DA's office for a time as well. So he did a lot of stuff. 
He was involved in over 200 homicide cases, and he never lost a single one in court. Wow. Yeah. So he was highly respected. Yeah. He also um, had on record, he was on record for solving numerous cold cases as well. So he was known to be really good at working with cold cases. One of them was very similar to John Bonet's case, where it was like a little girl mm-hmm. who was abducted and murdered. And then like it was a cold case and he found the killer. So okay. he had a very good reputation. And this is what this documentary is surrounding his investigation, his side of things. He um, obviously had a lot of files, but he also had an audio recorder that he would like recite his thoughts into. So that's right um, played over the documentary so it's almost like he's narrating the documentary mm-hmm. um even though he has since passed so right. he passed in 2010 but they're using his audio recordings and his like findings to kind of yeah, like investigation as the basis for this documentary and his daughter and son are both interviewed in it as well so they speak to his time investigating the case okay and again john ramsey is interviewed There is an author named Paula Woodward who was interviewed. She's an investigative journalist and she wrote a book about the JonBenet Ramsey case. So there's a number of people interviewed that that weigh in on this. But again, it's mostly from the perspective of Lou Smith, who again, a lot of people sort of acknowledge as like the number one, like JonBenet investigator, even though again, he wasn't part of the Boulder Police Department. Mm -hmm. As we know, or we'll get into, Boulder Police didn't do a great job. No, that's putting it lightly. Like that's that's polite. Yeah, they didn't do great. They didn't do. They didn't do their best. They didn't do the best. They definitely could have done better. They didn't do the bare minimum. <laughs> um. So I will start by saying we didn't get much into this in, in part one, but Paula Woodward, the the author, she mentions that within about a day, everyone knew that John Bonet was a pageant queen like a pageant competitor mm-hmm. and there were like pageant photographers that had photos of her and stuff from like working the shows that were like selling these photos to the press for like, a lot of money so like we discussed in the last episode this is part of the reason why this became so big right there was so much she had already kind of been in the media it was like a celebrity media, but she yeah was like very well known in, in the child pageant realm um so she was like within that world she was sort of like famous yeah like, if you don't watch child pageants, then you wouldn't have known who she was, which most of us don't. But yeah. There was so much. There were so um, many pictures of her. There was so much video of her performing. So it was easy to, like, for people to sell this stuff off and then yeah. and have her face be everywhere, have her videos be everywhere. Right. Right? Um, at first, Lou Smith was called into this investigation, and he thought what everybody else thought. He was like, I think the parents did it. Yeah. Just from like what he had heard. Yeah. He hadn't gotten his hands on any evidence yet. But again, from his experience and stuff, like more likely someone known to the victim and all. Yeah. He was like, I thought the parents did it. Like, yeah. in, like that's what I thought. And that is usually everybody's like initial yeah. reaction, really. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and he basically went in assuming it was them. But he. Sorry, I just lost my place. That's a, you know what? That's okay. That happens to me every time. Yeah. You're so much better at not losing your place than I am. So you're you get to have a few. You get to have a few. I found it. Okay. I found it. Okay. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I am here. Um the first thing that he mentions in the documentary is that um the ransom note, he felt like 
when he actually read it, he was more inclined to believe that it wasn't written by the parents. It doesn't feel written by the parents. Because he said there's a lot of references to death and dying. There's a lot of talk about like beheading her, we'll execute her. Like if you want her back, do this. If you do this, she'll be dead. If you do this, she's dead. If you do this, she's dead. Like if you fart, she's dead. Yeah. Like <laughs> there's a lot of references to her dying, and he was like, it feels too brutal and vicious to be written by the parent, like by by two people who've never had a record of like criminal activity. Certainly not aggressive criminal activity. No, like no criminal history. And again, he's like for people, even if they had just killed their daughter like accidentally or they're covering up for their son or whatever, like. He's just saying, like, it seems strange. It does. Right? A, a, like, a note this vicious and... Graphic. Aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because if they're covering it up, again, like, it just makes more sense that they would be, like, it would be simpler, it would be shorter. You know what I'm saying? It's almost too well thought out for two people who would have accidentally just killed their daughter to be, like, okay, let's go and write, like, a four-page, like, full letter about this. Like, I feel like... Our notepad and pen. Yeah. Like, I know that these aren't, like you know, like not everyone like thinks like a criminal mastermind, but like that I wouldn't necessarily be writing it on a pad. That's like specifically yeah. ours. I'm not yeah. saying go out to a store and get something, but like a sheet of paper from the printer. Yeah. I'm saying where it's like that anyone can have that. It was yeah. specifically one of their notepads that had like been written on previously by them. Like it, it's just, yeah. It's strange. And so his initial thoughts when he read it actually were that the parents didn't write it, which is completely opposite to what most people think. Yeah. So, um, again, like this guy is known for his like detective skills that he always thought about cases in a different way. Yeah. Saw things in a different way than most people did. And I'm inclined to believe that that worked for him. Yeah. So successful in all of his other cases. And if you are someone who investigates cases like this over and over and over and over and over again, you see a precedent all the time. So it's like when you see the same thing happening over and over again, it kind of helps when you're like presented with a situation that doesn't exactly fit what you've seen time and time again before. Yeah. So if it's not matching what you've seen, it's kind of like, well, this isn't fitting into the pattern of behavior. What's different? Mm-hmm. So I, I yeah. yeah. So I would consider his expertise and his experience. Pretty credible. Yeah. Super credible. Again, it's not to be all or end all, but he, but the reason why I like him though is because he doesn't speak like, very often in definitive terms where it's like i am the expert so what i say goes yeah which is so yeah yeah like he'll talk about it like in my experience this this, and this i believe this i like you know like yeah very aware he's making maybe some subjective comments but again he's very much following the evidence in this documentary and that's why i felt like it was um it was really good Mm -hmm. um so i know we said this in the last episode but one of the officers apparently said like oh i knew they killed their daughter from the minute that john yeah. was found yeah um so the police is he okay uh, he <laughs> sorry we're like literally pausing because oscar's destroying a pillow beside Oscar's, me like, getting into a fight with a pillow. <laughs> like you know you know when dogs like scratch their blanket or pillow like repeatedly in this like weird hunched over position to try and get comfortable that's what he's doing and it's just very noisy and distracting and he's going for round two. He's just not comfortable enough. Okay. I'll do my best. It's it's only because the attention's not on him right now that he's like, I must, I must be loud. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. The Boulder police from the get-go started to theorize around the parents. And all of their theories after this were surrounding 
John and Patsy Ramsey. So, um, again, there was, like, the bedwetting theory. Just to recap, there was a theory about um, Burke. Like, there was a lot of stuff. But, again, Smith points out the bed was not found to be wet. Um, and it was it was determined by evidence that it could not have been washed. So, she couldn't have wet the bed that night. No. So, that's kind of where... Like, he, he talks about that, whereas, again, a lot of people don't talk about that. Boulder police weren't talking about No, and a lot of people left, cling to this theory. Yeah, they left people to assume that she had wet the bed because media outlets were reporting that falsely. Yeah. Um, Smith believed that there was no evidence of bad character or motive from the Ramseys. They had no criminal history, but the media quickly took footage and photos from John Bonet's pageants and like turned it into their criminal history. This is what the media did, right? Where it's like, yeah, the child pageants are absolutely questionable. I do not, I'm not saying I'm a supporter of child pageants. Yeah. They used that as evidence, like, like cold hard evidence that these people must be abusing their child. Which isn't true. Which is such a stretch. It, it is a stretch because while we do respectfully acknowledge that, yes, there have been children that have entered child pageants by their parents and have, in fact, been abused, we will full-heartedly acknowledge that. But there have also been a lot of children that enter child pageants and not be abused. And it's just so happened that John Bonet was one of those people that did want to be a part of these pageants. She was a, a young girl that enjoyed it. Yeah. And John Ramsey yeah. says in, this, in his interview where he's like, people looked at, like, child pageants were frowned upon like i think they probably still are to be honest i think if anything they're like more frowned upon now but back then it's not like they were like glamorized like a lot of people still thought they were wrong but um but people again like turned patsy into this like crazy pageant show mom yeah her child around to performances forcing her to do these things and john ramsey was like it was actually the other way around like john benet was begging to go to these pageants Mm -hmm. begging to perform she loved entering like talent competitions like she always wanted to perform she loved it and yes patsy's the one that entered her in that first pageant or that first contest to then ignite that in john benet sure and i know we have talked about how a child can't be aware of the possible repercussions of being put in that world for a long time especially such during such impressionable years yeah and adolescence if you continue on that long Mm -hmm. um that like that is the parent's responsibility to consider and that yeah but that's where it ends where it's like if you've chosen to put your child in that and you maybe are not acknowledging the repercussions of that that's as far as the that goes it does not translate into neglect no abuse anything like that unless there's evidence of that yeah and i feel like it's also like a hard argument to make because it's like it goes for like anything then that you involve your child in where it's like, okay, maybe you've signed your kid up to play soccer and they actually hate soccer, but like they they can't really vocalize that until later. Like it really goes for just about anything you sign your child up for. Like well, parents are like, well, you signed up this year, so you're going to finish the year. Yeah. You know, you don't have to sign up again next year, but we've already paid for this year. Yeah. Tough it out. You're going to go to your games and your practices. Yeah. That's not child abuse. No. And it's teaching your child a lot. Yeah. But you know, like they're. Yes. Responsibility. Yeah. And And there is also a line from like tough it out to also like, I don't know, physically forcing your child to do something. Like there's, there's lines. Put your child in soccer and then every single year they're begging to be signed up for soccer 
then you're going to do that. Yeah. You know, so the, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Was with JonBenet and to be fucking honest, she was good at it. Yeah. And and you know what? It's like with the whole pageant thing, like, yes, I understand like the like stigma around it. But like if I look back to when I was like a little kid and I like look at my childhood pictures, I played dress up all the time. Now, me as an, as an adult, if I looked back and saw that I was put in child pageants, I'd be mortified. But yeah. as the child, had someone said like, hey, Becky, do you want to be in this pageant? Like, you're going to be on a stage and you get to put on a pretty dress. I Fuck yeah, I would have ran up there. I said that to my mom the other day. I was like, if you would put me in pageants as a kid, I would have loved it i would have loved it i probably would have but honestly just enjoyed it yeah because i was that kid i love i took dance lessons i took yeah. piano lessons like i, I played dress up all the time i loved yeah like all that stuff so like i i can't say that it wouldn't have had an effect on me yeah sure i'm sure it would have but i said to her as a kid i probably would have freaking loved it yeah you know 100 like, yes do do child pageants attract probably a certain level of unwanted attention. 1000%, yeah. I think that it's probably a breeding ground for that. I, I do not deny that. Yeah. But does it mean that, again, like you are a terrible parent for putting your child in those situations? No, I don't think so. No. I, like, again, like I took dance as a kid. Some of the outfits I wore as a kid, like when you're in like- Could be quote unquote scandalous. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, if you're like a little kid and you're five years old and you're taking your first ballet class, like you're in a unitard. Yeah. So like- That's yeah, like skin colored. Like, yeah. Buy a ticket to the dance recital and go and sit there. Yeah. It's- It's, I, again, I understand the difference in child pageants and that- I do, yes. Making a lot of these girls like, you know- putting them in outfits or makeup and hair that makes them seem older. Yeah. They're performing in ways that it seems more mature than yeah. their age and, and whatever. But then it also like it, it, this, this is like one of those like discussions that could go on forever. And then it's like, okay, well we could question everything then. Like what about child actors? Yeah. Like absolutely. Yeah. We've heard so many stories about so many putting their kids in that and then taking advantage of that and, and po profiting and all this, and like exploiting their children. Yeah. And then they're getting sucked into these like other industries too. trafficking rings. Like it, it, it leads to a whole lot. Yeah. But then are there some child actors that grow up and they're completely, totally like undamaged and fine. And yeah. So it's a different life, but like one. Sure. Yeah. Like, it, there's so much. Like, it's it goes for anything that involves children, really. Like, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, again, I just wanted to point that out, that I personally don't agree that the fact that Patsy put John Bonet in pageants meant that she was a terrible mom and that she was crazy. No. And that she was, yeah, like. Yeah. It's it, just all of the outrageous things that people claimed or whatever, but I just don't think that that's enough. For it's not. Point yeah her. it's just something i'd say like i wouldn't do but i'm not going to judge you for doing it no honestly no i know lots of people that were in pageants as kids or as like yeah same. whatever and they were like yeah i loved that time it was great yep so again like it affects everyone differently and not everyone comes out of it like scarred for life no it just yeah it is what it is yeah so um smith talks about where we had mentioned that the boulder police were like there was no footprints in the snow around the house. Yeah. So that's why they're like, definitively, there's no way someone came into the house. So Smith says, if you look at pictures and they show this to you in the documentary, um, there is some snow in the front yard. Yeah. There's no snow in the backyard. Yeah. Because it's all like pavement. It's all like, it looks like a paved like patio. Yes. Um, and he's like, there's just no snow in the pictures. So he's like, someone absolutely could have been walking around yeah. there and not left any footprints. Yeah. So and if you know the right places to step, like, 
Yeah. And if you're trying to be sneaky, chances are you're tiptoeing around. Yeah. Like. Yeah. It, yeah. If you're doing it, if, yeah, yeah. if you're purposely trying to be sneaky, then you can move around. There's probably like rock. Yeah. Stuff you can step on. Maybe there's footprints like back, like at the end of the backyard, if there's snow back yeah. there. They didn't show pictures of that. But to be honest, I don't think Boulder police went that far. Doesn't they didn't even check the basement initially? They didn't, the basement. <laughs> they didn't open a goddamn door. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, Smith basically he believes there was absolutely, without a doubt, evidence of an intruder. Um. And that the statements made by the Colorado Police Department were misleading to the public. Right. When he reviewed the initial photos taken, because again he wasn't there the day of the murder, he was called in a few months later. Um. He he's looking at the initial photos taken. And there is a window in the basement that is wide open. Interesting. I don't think I've seen those photos. Yeah. Really wide open. And underneath the window, there is a suitcase. Okay. And in the picture, the suitcase is not flat to the wall. The suitcase is like perpendicular with the wall. Okay. Yeah. So he's like looking at this photo and he's like, and there's also, there's a mark, like a, like a, the, a mark on the wall between the window and the suitcase. Okay. So he's like, to me, that absolutely looks like someone stepped on, like someone came in through the window, made a mark on the wall coming in, and then put a suitcase there to then step on the suitcase to get, get back out the window. Yeah. And that's what it looks like in the picture. Yeah. And he's like, okay, how am I the only one who's realizing? <laughs> who's like piecing it together as like a potential clue, let alone a massive fucking clue. <laughs> like, <a huge laughs> like, and that's why like, when the Boulder police were like, there's absolutely no sign of forced entry, no sign of intruder. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to call you guys oh, to like come and open the window with <laughs> a glaring sign of an yeah. intruder in the basement. Yeah. In the basement of all places. If it was in the living room, I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe a breeze. You left that open, sure. Yeah. But like, so, middle of winter, <laughs> like. He said there was a duvet in the suitcase that had John Bonet's DNA on it. Okay. He's like, in his audio tapes, he's kind of like reflecting. He's like, did somebody try to like put her in the suitcase to like take her out and use the duvet to like muffle it if she was still alive yeah. like then maybe she wouldn't fit or whatever and then once it transpired that they killed her stuff the duvet in the suitcase and then put it there to like step out of her yeah just saying her dna was on the duvet um he also saw so there was two sets of footprints right mm -hmm. one of them he said was a high-tech footprint which um, I think it's like a brand of boots. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he noted that there was a high-tech footprint right next to the body, which didn't match any of the shoes found in the house. So hmm. like John Ramsey had high-tech boots. Yeah, or um, anyone really. Yeah, so that he noted that. He theorized that the killer wrote the ransom note with the intention of kidnapping John Bonet, but then ended up murdering her, which... I pointed out to you, I think when we were watching like casting John Bonet or something like that, where someone yes. was like, why would they kill her and then go sit down for an hour and write almost, a ransom note? Almost all of the people. Assumes it was written after because people think that Patsy wrote it. Yeah, because they're trying to fit a narrative. How would you, yeah, like how do you not touch on the fact that like if someone went in with the intention of her yeah, and, and like ask for a ransom, yeah, would have written the ransom note first. They wouldn't have gone in got the child and yeah. like, okay, now I'm in a fucking rush because like I don't want her to wake up and whatever. And and oh, like, yeah. No, like, For no you would get in. Exactly. Because you've, like I'm thinking from the mind of like a criminal, if you've gotten in successfully. And you have time. A few minutes and you're like, okay, nobody's up. I have time. I'm going to sit down and calmly write this. And write this note. And yeah. 
four in the morning or three in the morning, there's yes. no reason why anyone would wake up and interrupt you. You could absolutely write a two and a half page ransom note. 100%. Time. Because you haven't like, your body hasn't entered like fight or flight mode yet. No. Because, no because nothing's happened. No. Whereas if let's say you've now attempted kidnapping, but then had to murder this child, you're now in fight or flight mode, whether you're like a successful killer or not. Like you're still in that mode of like, if I want to continue like my self-preservation, I either need to fight off everyone I come into contact with right now, or I need to fucking flee this scene. So no, I don't, I, I agree. I don't think whoever this was, whether it was Patsy or not, I don't think they sat there after the fact. I think this letter was written prior. I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Again, it, it makes it, the most sense. The theory that Patsy or Burke accidentally killed her, then yes, it was written after, but I just don't. But even still, I feel like it would have had to be written first. You think Patsy would have written a ransom note before her daughter died though? Why would she kill her daughter otherwise? Like, because I don't agree with the theory of her killing her anyways. No, I don't either. But I, but the theories are that yeah. she accidentally died. Yeah. And that they wrote the ransom note to cover it up, like to give a reason. Yeah. But again, it was like so calmly written. I don't know. It's just, I don't fucking, I don't know. Honestly, when you look at the ransom note too, like the writing is a fucking mess. Like it mm -hmm. doesn't look like, um, they maybe they just had bad handwriting, but like it doesn't look like it was like a nice, like calm like no it looks like someone's writing this like frantically okay yeah. all right okay um there's like words scratched out and stuff like that yeah i know it's weird that there's like apparently a practice note but it, it, to, yeah. to me it's the length that it's like yeah. if you're in a hurry you're not going to write something that long no no i don't think so i don't think the person that wrote this was in a hurry i think that's my point yeah that's why I keep using the word calm because I'm like, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe the letter itself was not calm, but like you you have to be somewhat bodily calm mm -hmm. to write for that long. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But um, yeah, I think it's just important to point out that everyone just assumes it was written after after and that it could easily have been written before. Like logically, if it was an intruder, it would have been written before. I agree. Point. And no one considers that. I agree. No considers the intruder theory. But. No, because they're all like, oh, it's got to be the parents. Um, so basically, oh, did I go? I went too far. <laughs> um, yeah, so the footprint didn't match any of the shoes in the house. He And again, he theorized that the intruder intended to kidnap her. I know it's strange that if someone intended to kidnap her, that they would not just like leave the house with her, that they took her down to the basement. But I think that if they came in through the basement that they would want to take her out through the basement mm -hmm. and that's how they ended up there and then again she was sexually assaulted in the basement but again if you're putting yourself in the mind of a, of a criminal maybe it's a disorganized criminal mm -hmm. who's now they've written their note left it now they've got the girl and they're like this sounds awful they're too excited yeah and they just are like i'm just gonna do it right here and then that's true. With it, I'll take her with me. Yeah. But that's what they came there to do. Yeah. I, another like where my thought goes is, okay, they've successfully broken in. They've wrote their letter. They've taken her. She's possibly still sleeping, possibly, but maybe by the time they get to the basement, she wakes up. I'm imagining what this girl, like with the personality she had, that was quite obvious to the world. I'm imagining she put up a fight which is what led to a struggle. She probably woke and like fought. Well, and again, like we discussed in the first episode, like there were fingernail marks on her neck yes. that were hers. So we know she struggled. Yeah. Um, 
in that she was awake during the time of her strangulation. Yeah. Again, the theory that someone hit her over the head and she died from that can't be true. Yeah. It's just impossible. I think like hitting her over the head was like a method of trying to like subdue her from possibly waking and could have been hit over, knocked over the head and then, yeah. And then, but was conscious during the strangulation and then someone bashed her head in again afterwards to like, make sure yeah because, because yeah, like you see that in cases all the time yeah overkill yeah or even to like again like it let's like explore the possibility that like this person's intention very well could have been to keep her alive the whole time mm-hmm. it, the intention could have been to return her eventually especially if you were like serious about asking for ransom Ex- exactly like if we're going to actually entertain that as truth like yeah like you probably – this person probably didn't want her to actually die, but when she fought and then he he or she struck her in the head first possibly, let's say, this person is probably now thinking, well, I've already now assaulted her and, like, if she lives through this, it's going to mean more time for me. It's going to mean more repercussions for me. I have to finish this off now. I have to clean up my mess. Yeah. Rather than I can't return an injured child because it goes against everything I've said in the letter upstairs of she'll be returned safely if you do these things. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of children that are taken and there's ransom notes left and that the person never had any intention of returning them in the, in the first place. Exactly. Um, it's just a diversion. Yeah. That's, there's so many like possibilities with this. Like talk a little bit more. There's something else that he discusses that kind of fits into that narrative of like the, they intended to kidnap her, but then they killed her. So we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. Um, but Lou did conduct his own experiments at like for this window theory. Like he went back to the house. Yeah. He stepped on the suitcase, see if he could get out the window, get in and out like easily enough. Yeah. Um, and he could, cause there's like some people that I've read things where they're like, Oh yeah, like we tested it and like no one could have fit through that window. That's not true though. Size dude. Yeah. He was just like, like he, yeah, he's like, yeah, I went and did it and you can get through easily enough. Yeah. So basically the window led out to like this sort of like, there was like a long sort of space and then on top of it, there was like a grate that lifted up. Okay. And like it went up and Oh yeah, I know exactly. We so have like, a couple of those here. But it wasn't locked. So you could just lift the gate, like the grate up and, and get out. slide down in there and then slide in through the window. Yes. So that's kind of, that was his theory that someone did that. Um, and he, there were reports that were leaked from the police department that the parents, that at this point, um, the parents were like refusing to be interviewed by the police, um, that Patsy wouldn't give them DNA samples. And in this documentary, John Ramsey points out, he's like, it just wasn't true. He's like, we wanted to cooperate with the police in any way possible. Um, He even wrote a letter to the DA's office asking them to like interview them. Mm -hmm. Can we please come in and do another interview? Yeah. We want to like help. Like we want to do more. Um, He's like, we gave them hair samples. We gave them pubic hair samples. We didn't refuse anything. Yeah. And the media was reporting that we were like not cooperating with the police, that we weren't. Yeah. Which is so false. Like bullshit again with like what we just discussed. Yeah. Where it's like trial by media. Yeah. And you can just take the facts and just twist them or yeah. Report things that are blatantly untrue. Yeah. Because people will read them. It'll sell magazines. It will. Yeah, it'll sell. And it's just like so infuriating. Yeah. Oh, the media pisses me off so much. Um, <laughs> it was perpetually leaked that Patsy's handwriting matched the note. Um, John says that they had to rewrite the note multiple times. 
Yeah. Like it was awful. We had to re- rewrite it over and over again. Daughter over yeah. and over again. A number of handwriting experts analyzed the sample. So there's a woman, I believe it's Paula Woodward that explains this in the documentary. She says, if you ranked five on a five point scale, then that means that, that you were like definitely not a match. So it's okay. me like the closer you are to one, the more there's a match. Yeah. And the closer you are to five, the less there is a match. Um, Patsy ranked between four and 4.5. But because she wasn't a five, people were like, hang her on the stocks. (laughs) Yeah. And John was, she didn't say, I'm assuming John was a five and Patsy was like between four and 4.5. Yeah. She's saying that that strongly indicates that there isn't a match. Yes. Right? It's not, (laughs) it was like a two. Yeah. If she was a one, I'd be like, well, we've got some suspicions here. Yeah, <laughs> but like ranked a three, I think that justifies saying it was inconclusive because that's directly in the middle. It is. She's like a four point five. Like that's pretty damn close yeah. to five. And you want to know what I'm imagining how it went behind the scenes, and this is just me speculating fully, is that when they had her write this, they probably tried to have her write it as closely as possible like by coercion of like no do it this way Mm -hmm. because we need to see if it's a match so she was probably coerced to write it as similarly as possible yeah and really just about anybody could write very similarly to someone else if they're sitting down if they're trying to so if they were coercing her on like attempt number 10 and they were like no you have to do your letter d like this then she probably did do it like that. And that's why she lost the 0.25 percentage of it. Like, it's just like. And like <laughs> I hear time and time again in like um, criminal cases and like things like this, that handwriting analysis is not a perfect science. No, nothing's really a perfect. Can be used. Yeah. Like DNA, like other evidence. Yeah. Um, as a piece of the puzzle. But it isn't it the whole picture. Be, taken as gospel like it's not the be all and end all yeah it's hung on this one piece no it's just a contributing possibility exactly yeah Yeah. kind of like honestly i feel like kind of like a polygraph test where it's like oh my god yeah there it can be used but there again lots of they're widely disputed right so because it's like it's it's something about being under pressure and controlling your your body yeah you have to be like almost like like a Buddhist that like practices meditation every goddamn waking minute of the day to be like, okay, I'm going to control my body here to like cooperate with me, which like most people can't do under pressure. No, no, absolutely not. So yeah. Um, One of the other headlines that was like swirling around was that the police were searching the house for child pornography, which they did search the house for child pornography. Yeah. The Boulder police just like didn't bother to mention that they didn't find any. They just said that they were searching. Said that they were searching for child pornography and then the media went nuts and then like... They ran with it. They ran with it and people just assumed that they were searching because yeah. there was evidence to believe that they had. Yeah. And now since we've never heard back, I'm going to just assume that they've got it, you know. And that, and then again, the rumors that they were abusing John Binet and all this other stuff leading into um, another theory, common theory, is that it was her older brother Burke. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were going to discuss briefly the pineapple theory, which is rolling around a lot. I, I don't even like know it fully. And like, and basically, so I, I read up on it a bit before, but we talked about how, yeah. So apparently the Ramsey said they came home on the 25th after a Christmas party yep. and they put both the kids to bed right away. Yes. But there were remnants of like pineapple 
digested pineapple or semi-digested pineapple yeah. in JonBenet's stomach from the autopsy. Yes. And there was apparently a bowl of pineapple and a glass of milk in the Ramsey's kitchen. Yes. So theories started to develop about that they came home and that they didn't actually go right to bed, that they stayed up and yeah. And that Burke was eating the pineapple, even though it is stated that both Burke and John Bonet both really liked pineapple. Mm-hmm. Um, that Burke was eating it and that she yeah. wanted a piece of it and that he hit her over the head and killed it. Yeah. But then on the other account, I've heard and seen in different sources that she never ate pineapple and that's why this theory fits. Like it so there's like controversy between every single theory where like one seat like source will seem really credible in saying this and, and so i the point that people hang on is that well if she, if there's pineapple in her stomach then that means she couldn't have gone to bed when they got home which means the parents are lying yeah which i don't know i in i, I don't know the science behind it like could they not have eaten something at the christmas party with that they were at They're, possibly i don't uh, know the timeline of the digestion and why yeah so sure that she had to have eaten something like right when she got home. I think it's because like the the source that I had heard it from, it, like they were highlighting the fact that like for the remnants of the pineapple to be found, it was like because it was still relatively fully intact. Like that it had been digested. Yes. It implied that she ate it like mere moments before death. That was kind of the like. The, the claim, right? The claim. Which and also again. Got home and they had a snack and the parents just like their first statement was we got home and they went to bed. Like in that moment, again, we've talked about trauma and how it can affect your recollection and yeah. everything. And maybe you're just like, we got home and went to bed and you forgot. But then but also, if you change your story, then people are going to say that you're lying. But then the thing is too, is like when you're recalling events, like you're going to recall like a summary of the events. So as parents, yeah, I, I'm going to put myself in a parental shoe here and say, okay, yeah, we came home and we went to bed. You're now leaving out that you probably brushed your daughter's hair. You probably helped her brush her teeth. You probably helped her put her pajamas on. So in order for your story to be 1 million percent accurate, are you going to now give me an itemized list of every single step you did? Well, we came in, she took off her right shoe first. Like, no, you're going to say we came home and we went to bed. You're going to summarize it mm-hmm. because that's that was the event, was the going to bed. Yeah. And I just, again, it's kind of like the pageant stuff where like that doesn't seem very definitive to me. People like act like this whole thing is like, this means that Burke killed her. Yeah. Well, what? So what, what, what my argument always is when people hang on the words of people's claims so strongly like this, when they were like, oh, well, you said you went home and went straight to bed, but it turns out you had a snack. And it's like, so if you're, you're that willing to take them at their word for exactly what they've done, why are you not taking them at their word that with them saying they didn't do it? Yeah. Like, so you can't pick and choose the words. You can't. You either take them at their word for everything if you're going to do it that way, or you take their them at their word for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so it, you can't pick and choose. You can't be like, I believe you on this but I don't believe you on that. Yeah. It doesn't really work that way no, for me, no, at least for me. And that's why, again, it makes me, it, it pisses me off when pe- certain people or the police choose to believe certain things, but then they, they're not consistent throughout that process. Yeah. So um, Smith, uh, Smith also talks about the autopsy report and how he interprets it a little bit differently than, I, I think he interprets it the way of like a homicide detective would interpret it. Mm-hmm. He talks a lot about the paintbrush that was used in the, like the slip knot. Yeah, was, the garage. Yeah, that was like 
created, right? And again, a lot of people say like, well, Burke couldn't have done that. He couldn't have tied that knot. Parents, yes. have, I guess, but like it was a sophisticated knot. Yeah. Also, a kid wouldn't know how to make a garage. Like it no. just wouldn't happen. No. And he was saying that the way it was tied and the way the paintbrush paintbrush was inserted is that like it so that it could be used to tighten and loosen the hold on her neck to like revive and let go revive and let go like 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 the torture that they could torture her yes um and so he's saying that like it was pulled very aggressively tight um but he feels like this tells us that the killer gained pleasure from torturing his victim yes like a sadistic killer yes um where a lot of people didn't interpret it that way they just looked at it where it's like oh well the strangle strangulation was just a cover yeah where he's like, no, like the way this is tied. Yeah. Again, like the um, evidence of her fingernails picking up, like trying to get it off means that he probably did it slowly. And said. probably a few times. Um, he, this like, oh, I don't love this, but like he says that there was also remnants of like, like shards from the paintbrush found inside of her. Yeah. I don't love that. Which is just so horrifying. Um, and so he's just basically saying, like, he feels like this was, like, a very twisted, sadistic person. Danger- a very dangerous person. Yeah. Um, who, who like, did this in a very slow, malicious manner. Mm-hmm. And who takes great pleasure from yeah. seeing someone else's pain. And so that's another reason why he does not believe it was any member of the family. No. Especially if the argument is that it was a cover-up. Yeah. Because it's like, why would you... Why, why would you, you completely violate the body over and over and over again yeah. as a cover-up? Um, that takes like a whole different kind of like... Yeah. Yeah. Thing. It's just, And again, he's looking at it like a homicide detective should look at it. Well, yes. <laughs> someone with his experience that's like probably seen this shit before. Yeah. And uh, someone else is just like, oh, this... Like just looking at the surface level evidence. Yeah. This proves to me that he again just dug a lot deeper than most people did yeah which again brings me back to my point of like yeah you know what i i don't blame the like initial police officers and everyone making the claims that like it must have been the family because you don't want to believe that things were worse than that mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah and so um initially like boulder police really like they liked loosement because he walked in thinking it was the parents so we were like all oh, this guy's like on our he's on our side but once he started to put this evidence together and he started to put together a th- an intruder theory mm. the intruder theory because older police didn't have that theory. no <laughs> um they completely turned on him uh they the dna samples that were tested a few days after the murder were given to the police department in may mm-hmm. they were withheld from the da's office until july wow so remember lou was working for the da's office yeah so he didn't even so yeah they were hiding that he said that the results showed that this this was the Tests that showed that there was foreign DNA found on John Bonet's underwear, her long johns, and under her fingernail. Yes. A lot of um, things that I watch or whatever, like, don't ever talk about the fingernails. They just yeah. talk about the underwear and the long johns and the, the DNA. The fingernails are, if anything, like the most important. Under her fingernails. <laughs> yes. Um, that all belonged to an un- unidentified male yeah. person. Which, like, as John had stated, they had already at this point given samples of their DNA, multiple samples, and none of it matched them. And so that was withheld for a few months from the DAs, probably because they were like, oh, Oh, fuck. This doesn't fit with our theory. Yeah. Um, So basically, well, it was the DNA was male DNA, which completely rules out Patsy. Um, 
And at the time, it couldn't eliminate nor include John, but they, they gave samples. Um, the police were, were kind of brushing this aside because it wasn't definitively John's DNA at the yeah. time, so it didn't fit with their theory. But Smith believed this was, like, one of the most important details of the case. Yeah. And, again, you have to follow the evidence. Like, evidence is objective. Yeah. They can choose. You can't. We've said many times before. Um, another thing that uh, another question is constantly, constantly asked is how could no one have heard someone taking her out of bed? Like, if it wasn't the parents and it was an intruder, mm-hmm. how could she not have woken up and screamed? Or how could no one have heard it and whatever? So upon reviewing the autopsy photos again, this follows my mind. Because, again, they show you these photos. They're right there, plain as day. And he finds, so there's two small red marks on JonBenet's back mm-hmm. and two small red marks on the side of her face. Yeah. And he said there are photos taken of them from Christmas Day that don't show anything on her face. So yeah. the marks would have had to have occurred like after, after the fact. Yeah. The fact. Um, and he said that he realized that the marks were like the same distance apart in both places. Okay. So like hypothetically, let's say like two inches, like okay. two inches apart on her back, two inches apart on her face, right. like measured it all and everything. It was like, they're the same distance apart. And he's like, these look like marks from a stun gun. Yeah. And so he spoke with an expert, a stun gun expert, who confirmed that, like, yeah, these marks could have been made by a stun gun. Yeah. So he went out and found a stun gun that has a distance apart that would make marks, like, that distance apart. Like, he found a stun gun that fit that. Yeah. And he was like, this, in his mind, he's like, this completely turned the entire case around. Because why would parents have to use a stun gun on their child? Yeah. Like, if... a father or a mother went in and woke their kid up in the middle of the night. Like they're not going to scream. Yeah. No. Right. Like, so they, you can get them out of bed quietly if you have some sort of malicious intent. And you know what? Parents can even control their children in like really traumatic situations. Mm-hmm. Like re- realistically, even if you're being tortured by your parents, there's still going to be a level of you when you're six years old that trusts your parent. So yeah. if they're like, you shut up right now, chances are you're going to be like, oh my God, I need to shut up. Like I need to be quiet. I need to comply yeah and so he's like if their theory was that it was the parents why the hell are there stun gun marks in two places on her body that doesn't need to be there and that supports his theory that an intruder came in and stunned her to knock her out and then keep her quiet and yeah so you got her out of bed quietly yeah and so he took this evidence to boulder pd and again it didn't fit with their theory they brought in another expert that said the marks could have been bruising made by buttons. What? Just like buttons on clothing. You know, like, but, wait, you don't put on clothes with buttons and then you take it off and then you have bruises all over your body? No, never happened. Oh, well, the police here think, seem to think it <laughs> Um, What the fuck kind of buttons are you guys making in Colorado, eh? Because <laughs> I need some answers. They don't look shards of glass. Like, well, then they'd be cuts. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, you know what? Uh, you know what? They're making their buttons out of stun guns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I figured it out. I solved the mystery. <laughs> I told you we'd solve this. <laughs> Leave marks all over your yeah. body. But it's just a fun fashion thing. Yep. You know yeah. what? I'm starting to think it was someone on the police force. I said what I said. <laughs> there are theories. There are theories okay. that go far and wide about the- down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Like I said, there's theories about her being connected to 9-11. Like, there's, <laughs> there's so, so many. Theories. There's theories about her being Katy Perry. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, like it's, yeah, it's but nuts. It's absolutely outrageous. And 
basically lose like they it felt like they were doing everything possible to prove their initial theory even if it meant like blatantly distorting evidence well clearly i mean they said it was buttons (laughs) not quite obviously a fucking stun gun another big thing that is reported a lot is that there was a neighbor that said that they heard a scream Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night okay um, like a blood curdling like scream a, very, yes scream uh, very obviously from a child um the apparently it's quoted like the neighbor said that it was the most terrifying child scream i had ever heard um yeah. and the, this is why in John, casting john bonnet they had the girl scream okay yeah like everyone always asks like what about the screen right How yeah did parents not have heard that yeah so Again, Lou went back to the crime scene many times. He, um, like, reviewed, like, went through the house a lot. And yeah. So he goes down to the utility room, um, and he's looking at where JonBenet's body was found. And right next to her, where her body was found, within a couple of feet, there was, like, a, like there was an open vent. And you can see it in the documentary. It's, like, a long, like, tube kind of. Okay. And it's open at the bottom and then it goes up and connects into the wall. Okay. He said that it goes all the way out to the front of the house, pointing directly at the neighbor's property. So yeah. like, this is sort of like, you know, when you go to a playground and there's like those things those yes. that you can like you know, yell into and yeah, talk into like that. Yeah. He's like that. that It'll carry your sound. Like a megaphone. Yeah. Basically. And so he conducted another experiment. Which I love this when I watch documentaries and they do experiments like they do this in Making a Murderer in season. I love the experiments when they show shit like this. And it's also like, why are you the first person doing this? Yeah. If I were a detective, I would, this would be like my. I'd be like, get the fuck out of my way. I'm doing experiments. Bill Nye. (laughs) Bill Nye, the science guy. (laughs) It just seems like the most logical way to think about things if you're like, I have to test all the theories. Yeah. So test it out. So ask the questions, do it. He um, hires uh, an audiologist to come and conduct this experiment with him. So the home was a multi-level 6,700 square foot home. Mm -hmm. This home was massive. Um, There was the basement, the main level, the second story where John, Benet and Burke had their bedrooms. And then a story above that where the entire master bedroom was like the top level. Fancy as fuck. Yeah. So they're, so the parents are sleeping like even one level above where we've yeah. been sleeping. Um, so Lou hired an audiologist. He placed people on the top level in the master bedroom and then people across the street in front of the neighbor's house. And they conducted a scream test. Mm-hmm. And no one in the master bedroom heard a goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. People across the street heard it loud and clear yeah so again just saying we're just gonna throw that one out there for you guys i'm <laughs> just gonna, <put> <laughs> just gonna toss that one out there i don't think the police conducted any of their experiments like no that. so and again it's like the vent is like pointing right down like it would have been almost right above her face yeah from where she was so um it's unknown as to what might have happened to prompt the scream or whatever. But Lou's theory again is that someone came in intending to kidnap her, brought her downstairs, hurt her, and she, yeah. she screamed. And then this person was like, "Fuck, I gotta kill her now." Yeah, because someone might be coming down here. Yeah, so I gotta get out of here fast. Yeah. So again, like it could have been in the middle of what whatever they were torturing her doing or whatever. Yeah. And she got a breath in and screamed really yeah. loud. 
and that prompted them to kill him. That's part of his theory, which yeah. again makes sense to me. Like if you're like thinking you're gonna get away with this quietly and then she screams and you're like, fuck. Okay, yeah. Like, fight or flight now. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. you're waking up right now, I gotta do something fast. I gotta yeah. get out of here. So that's that's part of his theory. In May of 1998, Lou Smith and the DA's office put together a presentation to show the Boulder Police Department, displaying their evidence to prove that there was an intruder in the house that day. Um, but Boulder Police disregarded all of it. They felt like <laughs> they called all, all of these experiments and stuff like Lou's theatrics. Um, no, that, no, like, it's dramatic and trying like almost like they thought he was purposely trying to like disprove their theory or work against them. When, like, no, he's trying to prove he's trying to prove that there's a killer and solve this murder yeah. so that this like child can finally like rest. Like, and he was constantly scrutinized. Like after John Ramsey wrote the letter to the DA's office, asking them to bring them in for another interview, they wanted Lou Smith to interview John Ramsey, and then Patsy was interviewed by other people. And all of this is uh, re- recorded, so some of this is in the documentary. You can see it. I think you can see them online too. Okay. Um, and they interviewed them over three uh three days of interviewing, and Smith at the end of it was highly criticized by the police department he was even blamed for quote-unquote ruining the case because of the way he conducted this interview um and no wanted them to interview them like it was an interrogation like they wanted them to put the pressure on a bit because they were like if they did it like we want like we we want to know but and lou did that like he interrogated john ramsey yeah lou didn't believe that he did it and lou was a good detective so he's not going to be that detective who's going to be like, nope, that's not what I want to hear. Change your story. Tell yeah. me what I want to hear. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he wasn't trying to intimidate him. No, that's he's trying to get the like, truth. You didn't get a confession out of him, so you fucked it up. And he's like, but the point is confession out of him because he didn't do it. Yeah, because there's nothing to confess. Like, that's sometimes that's not always the case. It's just you're trying to get the truth out. And sometimes the truth might not be a confession. It's just the truth. Yeah. And he said he felt like after the interview, he would, like could not have been more sure that John Ramsey was not involved in this. Yeah. You Patsy, but he didn't think she did it either. Yeah. Um, well, most evidence pointed away from her anyways. Exactly. So shortly after the interviews took place, a detective from the Boulder PD resigned from the case, stating his reasons were because the DA's office was mishandling the case. Okay, sure. Sure. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Just sure. There, Just like, fucking sure. All right. Um, <laughs> all right there, bud. <laughs> um, in August of 1998, the governor of Colorado called the DA, Alex Hunter, into his office and he said, look, we're putting together a grand jury. I already have three prosecutors who were on the side of the police, like yeah. their theory. And we're going to do a grand jury to see if we can indict the parents. Yeah. So Lou Smith, um, he believed that the Boulder Police Department was going to, like, present a sugar-coated version of the evidence. Again, cherry-picking their evidence. Yeah. Like, their theory. And that, like, the jury was going to indict them. Yeah. If Boulder Police presents what I know that they're going to present, the yeah. jury's going to indict them. Yeah. Sure. Um, and so he f- struggled with this decision, but he decided he decided to resign from working at the DA's office. He felt like it would put him outside of the case and that would be worrying to him. But he also felt like he could do more good from the outside investigating on his own than being pulled into all of this bullshit with the police department. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
he, again, was very worried about the way that the grand jury trial was going to go. So he hoped to, he asked to present his evidence to the grand jury, um, but he was denied. And the police department filed an, injunct- an injunction against him demanding that he turn over all of his evidence so that, like, he was saying, like, so that they could destroy it. He's like, they're, if they're going to take all my evidence, they're just going to destroy it. Yeah, they're not going to use it. It goes against their theory. And so he hired an attorney to file a motion stating that the grand jury was entitled to hear all of the evidence. Yeah. Not just some of it. And the DA made an agreement to have Smith testify and allowed him to keep his evidence. Um and he said that as he said, the prosecution was basically dismantling his theory as he was saying it. Yeah. He, this is a quote from him. He said, I was never treated so unfairly or so badly in 40 years of law enforcement. I was attacked unmercifully and I've never felt so humiliated. Hmm. And he was only given three hours of time in front of the grand jury. The prosecution had months. Wow. So it was... Again, like, yeah, right from the start. Well, 100%. But he really felt like the Ramses were going to be indicted and like they were being unfairly targeted. Yeah. So um, the grand jury did, in fact, vote to indict both of the parents for child abuse resulting in death and accessory to, cr- to a crime. Um, but when Alex Hunter spoke to the press, he stated that no charges were to be filed because there was not sufficient evidence to warrant charges or to convict them in court. And someone comments in the documentary saying it's because of Lou's testimony (laughs) that they, that Alex Hunter is probably like, okay, you guys voted to indict them, but all of this stuff that he said, like any good defense attorney is going to use that. And that will be the reasonable doubt. Yeah. So I know that if we go through this, we can't, we can't convict them. No. Yes, you want to indict them, but we're not going to be able to convict them in the court of law because there's so much. There's so much. That's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing is that Lou Smith presented the stuff that's like, again, a good defense attorney would use this because there is a good defense. Yeah. An exceptional defense. Exactly. Because he created the entire narrative for them to use. So basically, like, if he hadn't have done that, the Ramses certainly would have been indicted for first degree murder. Yeah. They could have been convicted of it. Would have been fucking wild. So um, Lou continued his investigation independently with without pay from the Ramseys or anyone else. Um, John Ramsey, like, said that multiple times. He's like, he wouldn't even let me buy him an ice cream cone one day. Like, he didn't accept anything from us. Mm-hmm. He, his, like, life mission from this point on was to solve this case. Um, so he created a list of people and items that were important to the case um, and created, like, an Excel spreadsheet with all the details of, like, anyone involved. Everything. Even minorly involved in this case. Um, he said that there were thousands of tips called into Boulder PD during the initial stage of the investigation and that 98% of them weren't even called back. That's fucked. Yeah. Because like, yeah. We're just, yes. So tunnel vision. Well, that and too, like, we, we do know now that like a lot of the tips that usually come in on these hotlines are not accurate no, or them are- true, but oftentimes as history has shown, the killer themselves will often call these lines or someone does notice something or some kind of truth is in there. So it's... And that's why... I, and I've heard many police officers say like, yeah, we get a lot of crap calls, but like you have to, you have to follow every tip. Yeah. You have to. Because you have to eliminate the crack calls. You have to. You have to. And and the, that's why I'm confused as to like that statement in general because I'm like, 
I thought it was part of the job description that you had to like mm-hmm. give that to officers to go and check out, check in on all these, yeah, steps, like to eliminate them as yeah. possibilities. And then at the very least, eliminate them. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, none of these were even followed up. Most of them were. Um, so that's why he was creating this list, right? He said he believed that the killer had left DNA. He explains that there were two spots of blood on John Bonet's underwear containing two mixed DNA samples, one of them being John Bonet's and one being that of an, of an unidentified male. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted more of the evidence to be tested because um, DNA, we as we know, is coming a long way even now. But at that yeah. point, just every single year, there was developments in DNA testing um, and that you could find DNA from really small trace samples. Yeah. Um, but uh, there is a lot of evidence that Boulder PD has not. No. Um, in 2000, Boulder got a new DA, Mary Lacey, and she was an expert in sex crimes. And she invited Lou Smith back um, because she wanted to know if there was any validity to the intruder theory. So the new DA had John Bonet's long johns um, tested. I don't know if this implies that they hadn't been tested before, that it was just the underwear. Mm-hmm. I, I hear a lot of different things. I think a lot of people confuse the underwear and the long johns too. Yeah. But she had them tested or maybe she had them tested again. Um, yeah. And so in 2008, they found DNA in the long johns consistent with the DNA found in her underwear in 1997. It was foreign DNA determined to not belong to any member of the family. So I don't know if in maybe 1997... They just didn't have the technology. Like, it was inconclusive because maybe the technology wasn't advanced enough. Yeah. But in 2008 is when the Ramses were officially exonerated through DNA evidence. Okay. Um, Mary Lacey issued a public apology to them, stating that they would no longer be treated as suspects. Um, unfortunately, Patsy Ramsey died in 2000, 2006. Yeah. Um, so she wasn't alive for any of this. Which is really sad because she can't. She's really sad yeah. because she died knowing that, like, so many people thought that she killed her own daughter. It's, it's just not upsetting. Um, yeah, she died of ovarian cancer in 2006. And Lou Smith said, like, I went to visit her in the hospital because he had kept in touch with the parents. Like, he was working with them. Yeah. Independent investigating. And he said that he went to the hospital before she died. And the last thing she said to him was, Lou, I don't have much time. Please catch this guy. That's just, yeah. 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 Which is so sad. Um, so in June of 2010, Lou underwent exploratory surgery due to some stomach pain. And it turned out that he was full of cancer, like all throughout his body. Mm. So as he was, you know, going through the motions of like knowing that he doesn't have much time. Yeah. Um, he passed on his list of suspects and all of his evidence to his children. Yeah. They're, like I said, they're interviewed in this documentary. So his daughter, um, I don't know, what is her name? Cindy Mara. Mm-hmm. Um, and her husband as well. They have been, they took all of this evidence. Her brother as well, I think is involved in this too. Um, and he basically said like, here's my list of suspects. Like you have to continue on. Like, it was yeah, in which he she said he he told everybody that came to visit him. He's like, you have to continue this because yeah. someone's going to solve it. He truly believed that the murder of John Benny Ramsey was on his list of suspects. Yeah, it was on his list of people, because, again, he he had people on this list, like anyone who had like ever spoken to the Ramseys, like everyone yeah. was on this list. And he's like, if you can narrow it down, 
the killer is on this list. Yeah. I am sure of it. Um, and that was, that was his dying wish. And he, he did say, um, to John Ramsey before he passed, he said, if this case remains in the Boulder PD hands, it's never going to be solved. No, it doesn't sound like it. Which I think is, is fair to say. John Ramsey actually spoke at Lou's funeral. They became very good friends. Of course. Yeah. John Ramsey acknowledges that like if they were indicted, and they were convicted, they could have been executed. Yep. And he was like, in a, in that way, Lou saved our lives. Yes. So One million percent. Yeah. He was like, he speaks so, so highly of this man. Well, he owes him his life. Lou. Yeah. Um, and, and there was a clip of John Ramsey actually speaking at his funeral saying a really lovely eulogy. Um, but yeah, that was, so it's now the torch has been passed and Lou's daughter over the last decade has been investigating all of these leads, all of these suspects. Yeah. This Excel spreadsheet, this famous spreadsheet that Lou had that had the names of like I need to see this one and everyone. I love a good spreadsheet. I love a good spreadsheet. I know. I mean that you'd be like, oh, uh, yeah. Um, it did say at the end of the documentary that Boulder PD has hundreds of items in evidence that still haven't been tested. And then um that Boulder PD denied to comment. Mm -hmm. It's an open investigation and they can't comment and whatever. But they said they're doing everything they can to uh -huh. investigation, yada, yada. Yada, 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 yada. Um, okay, this is, so when I said before that I thought it was called The Case of John yeah. Ramsey, that's the TV special I told you. Oh, yep, yep, yep. That aired in 2016. Um, I don't know what network it was with, was with, but it was like a two-part two TV right. special. So in that special, DNA expert Dr. Henry Lee, who was part of the O.J. Simpson trial, mm -hmm. um, he believed that the DNA found on JonBenet's underwear and long johns may have been transferred from the manufacturing process. Mm -hmm. And he proved, like, he proved that this could be possible by testing an unopened bag of like brand new underwear which showed traces of like foreign DNA mm -hmm. from different people. So he's saying like someone touching it in the manufacturing process, packaging it yeah, on it. And then that could be it. So he's kind of saying like, you can't rule someone out definitively if the DNA doesn't match because the DNA on the underwear could be like anybody, someone else is like not involved. I yeah. don't even know them. But my only thing with that, there's a couple of things. It doesn't mention at all in the TV special. And like I said to you, there was a review of the TV special. Yeah. I watch it. But they said it was like heavily biased towards yeah. the family doing it, especially Burke. Yeah. Um, so it was highly criticized. Yeah. Um, for being just like, for just, again, like a lot of subjective comments. Yeah. Like running with like. It had to have been less. Like, yeah. That's not like even seen as like credible. No. Whatever. Um, and. That, like they didn't mention anything about the fact that Lou said there was blood on the underwear. Right. Right. So like that to me wouldn't come from a manufacturer. No. That would be and he said there was it was mixed with John Bonet's DNA. Yeah. So there's no mention anywhere of like was the underwear new? Like what if this was underwear that had been washed? Yeah. And it wasn't her first time wearing it. Like, and like, like wouldn't she have worn those before? Possibly. <laughs> like that's the thing christmas present but like i didn't see that anywhere no they're just like assuming that they're brand new underwear yeah i, I, I like and i know i know not everybody does this but like i i think most people again just most wash their new clothes before wearing them yeah, particularly yeah. underwear i'm saying that all the time especially when we get underwear as kids she would always wash them first, first yeah yeah 
because it just seems more hygienic. I know not everybody does that. I do no, like no, I like not all the time, but I feel like the fact that he like pulled out a pair of underwear that was brand new from the man and there's DNA on it. Okay, yeah, I believe you. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the DNA on her underwear was from the manufacturer, right? Like yeah, no, no one's mentioned that the yeah was like brand new. So that's why I don't know. I don't even know why that testing. It happened yeah it what what were they like hoping to prove yeah all they really all they did prove was like more people had touched this underwear than originally suspected what they were hoping to prove is that the ramses were exonerated through dna so they were hoping to bring them back into the realm of suspects that's what they were hoping to do yeah and this documentary is very biased so and i acknowledge the documentary i just watched is very biased towards loose like perspective but loose perspective is never mentioned in anything yeah i think it's worth talking about because again he seems to be following the evidence yeah he's trying to like force like, a, a like, box of nothing yeah, <laughs> like convict someone just to catch somebody yeah right? just to wrap up the case where it's like they want to wrap yeah up the case truth doesn't the truth doesn't matter no right as long as someone goes to jail for it everyone's happy so anyways basically it's left off saying that his daughter, Cindy, said, you know, um, I need you to continue this. He said, write down this name and start there. So he had a suspect in mind for her to start with. But again, there was a lot of suspects that he was like, it could be any one of these people and you need to follow up on all of them. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where we're at. And again, this documentary came out about a year ago. And they're still investigating it. Yeah. Um, and John Ramsey is still cooperating with them and, like, doing everything they can to find it. Her brother, Burke, is not in the documentary, but one of John's um, kids from his previous marriage is. So mm -hmm. he would technically be John Benet's half-brother. Um, he's in it, and he talks a lot about that, too. And, um, yeah, I think that it's there. Cindy feels very confident that DNA evidence will find the murderer yeah that they will eventually because they they'll like, get there yeah yeah because like we just talked about the golden state killer like after 30 years yeah dna evidence caught him nailed him to the wall yeah. <laughs> like and yeah they found him after 30 years so yeah it's been 25 years but cold cases are solved all the time yeah it's true and i really hope it happens in our lifetime i feel like it will i i feel confident that like it's something's bound to wrap up soon yeah something and i feel like it happens a lot where this is like a this is like another i know there's been tons of documentaries and tv specials about john Bonet like so much but yeah the like when there's new stuff coming out it keeps it in the public eye it keeps people talking about it it keeps like even like amateur sleuths and stuff like that that were involved in the um golden state killer like not in like catching him but like contributing but contributing and working on yeah the case and keeping it fresh keep it, and to be honest keeping pressure on the police department. yeah like, do your jobs here. we still want this stuff. yeah you know like don't it's just we forgot we've forgotten about this exactly and and that does get cases solved it does it it, it helps certainly yeah like it's yeah because if everyone just like sits back and like goes like ah oh, whatever like guess we're not going to solve it mm -hmm. like no one's going to feel that like obligation to like resolve it for anybody's sake like it's just yeah yeah the pressure needs to be there yeah i felt like it was very compelling and uh i just i've said this before i love 
like the real life heroes that are exceptional detectives. Yeah. Where it seems like to me, Lou Smith is that when I said yeah. before, when I'm still reading Murder City and Dennis Alsop is mentioned a lot as like the like highest caliber of detective. Yeah. Like the type of person he was and the type of detective he was just like saw things in a different way. I've talked about the yes. soccer documentary where like that detective is like freaking awesome. Yeah. And we see a lot of media and documentaries and cases where yeah. police butcher these things and that's common too. Yeah. But there are it's important to remember there are people out there who are really, really like committing their lives to these things. Yeah. They're, it's they're good at it. They're good people that like they they only want to find like the actual true answers, not just like getting their paycheck. And like, I think that's part of the reason too why Lou removes himself because the the criminal justice system does not seek truth it seeks justice and sometimes that justice is it's it's wrong yeah right like, it's wrongful yeah in prison all the time guilty people walk free all the time yeah. because you have to operate within the confines of our justice system and sometimes it's the goal is not broken to find truth. yeah which again it, it is broken and so i think that lou is like if i'm stuck in all this political legal bullshit I'm never going to find the truth. No. I'm never going to find the truth. It's too far gone now. I need to remove myself from this mm-hmm. to find the truth. 100%. And, and that's what I respect a lot yeah. about him and this and his family, obviously, who is now dedicating their lives to it. Yeah. I, it's just, it's great. Like, yeah. I, that's why I do feel like the answer will be found. It's just going to take a little bit longer because for so long it hadn't been of the highest priority to people who like genuinely wanted to find the truth. Mm-hmm. So with this, it's, I feel like it's a game changer. Yeah. 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 Like I said, I'm very optimistic about this case being solved. Yeah. Uh, it, it gets solved at some point. Yeah. So, I'm with you on that. I think it's happening. Yeah. And we're, we're going to be having the, Oh my god, we're gonna have like a whole I, hour long episode. I don't even know. We're I don't even know what to do. Nuts. Yeah, we're gonna be like nuts on all of our social media. Like just yeah. Just I I just really I do hope like that like the surviving Ramses that are left like live to see this day. Absolutely. Because like absolutely at, at this point they just they deserve answers. There are still people who think that like John Ramsey on his deathbed is gonna like is gonna confess to killing her, and it's just like, are you fucking kidding me? No. If they if they did it, they would have been able to prove it by now. Yeah. You know, I just I, I yeah. really, really want John Ramsey and Burke Ramsey. Yeah. People think he's walking around like he's a fucking killer too. Like, I hope that they get the satisfaction of yeah. like, so it's this person. So you were wrong. Yeah. About all of this. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I hope they have that like resolution one day. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I don't fucking know. I'm just fucking not anymore. I'm just fine. I'm so fired. I'm like, yeah. I keep going. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's so true though. Like the people that do really still strongly believe that it was them. Like it, it, anything we know is like for someone who isn't like a skilled killer or who, who hasn't killed before. Like I, I hate to put it this crassly, but like their first like assault and kill isn't going to go so smoothly that they get away for, with it for 30 years. I know. I was just, that's what I mean. Like if it was them, 
How have you not proven it by now? It, they would have been so fucking nailed. Been amateurs, yeah. That's the thing. It would have been literally three amateurs teaming together to try and cover for each other. One of them would have slipped up so hard. Yeah. And like even the quote unquote slip ups that people like to bring up, it's like they're not slip ups enough that are strong enough to to nail their asses to the wall. And I'm sorry, but like the DNA under her fingernails would be a match to her dad. It would be. Like it would. It's just those are defensive strategies <laughs> that we see all the time. Yeah. Where it's like the DNA under her fingernails is that of her killers. Yeah. It doesn't match any of her parents or any of her no. members. Exactly. It's still out there. Yeah. It's yeah. It's fucking wild. Yeah. <sighs> well, that was part two. That was a part two. There's gonna be part. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> For um, now, this podcast is just turning. Yes. Ramsey's podcast. Yes. Well, what, as like more information comes out, we will absolutely continue a John Bonet like series. Yeah, I was saying to Becky that like there's there is more into like what Cindy Mara has been doing. Yes. Everything. So we might. Like we might do a bonus episode every now and then for when what they've been investing yeah. in over the last ten years. Um, so if you guys are interested in that, let us know um, because that's definitely yes on my list to to do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's about it. I think so we have nothing else to go over other than maybe we might be taking a break. Yeah. Did we talk about that did at the beginning? I have no idea. If we didn't, no, I don't I, think we did. Yeah, since yeah, since we record these in advance, like we don't know what the week after Christmas is going to look like for us, and we don't know if we'll have enough time to get together to record to be as ahead of schedule as we've been thus far. <laughs> so we might get be something out for the first week of January. Yeah, so we might be taking a break. We might not be. It all depends on our schedules over the next couple of weeks, but we will, by the time this episode airs and you're listening to it, you'll already know what we're up to. Yes. Well, you'll already know the plan. So if you're literally hearing these words, ignore them because you already know the plan. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. It's basically the only way we can put it. We announced that we're taking a break. That's why, because Christmas you at least know why. And lots of podcasts. Yes. For the holidays and things like that. So we both have jobs. I've got yeah. school. We've got things a week or two but it won't be long we no. guarantee you that yeah and you know what we'll make up for it in one way or another mm-hmm. we'll either give you an extra bonus at one time or we'll you know what give us a goddamn break i need to i need to sleep <laughs> <laughs> you guys are too needy <laughs> so yeah on that note sign up to be super cool and join our cult of extremely awesome people who love true crime at www.patreon.com slash how to not get killed and if you ever want to chat and connect with us you can send us an email at how to not get killed at gmail.com. Or you can DM us or comment on our posts on Instagram at how to not get killed. And you can follow us on Twitter at H2NGK. And you can also check out our website and shop our merch at www.howtonotgetkilled.com. And thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Make sure you keep it extra super mega espialidocious sleazy. Yeah, sleazy for the new year. Yeah. Keep it super sleazy for the new year. That should be your new year's resolution. (laughs) New year, new sleazy me. We're out. (laughs) Bye. Bye.